Begin Podfix Network transmission in three, two, one. This is Bewilderbeasts, an infotainment show dedicated to inspiring curiosity for all ages by investigating the ways animals intersect at humanity. I am not a historian, an ethologist, a researcher, a scientist, a zoologist, a trained audio engineer, or an expert in, well, anything. Y'all, I'm lucky if I can remember to put my clean laundry in the dryer before it gets funky. And while I make every effort to present things as accurately as I can with a fun flair, I'm going to mess up. And that's okay. I hope I've given you a nice place to jump off from on your own adventures into curiosity, or at the very least, I've given you the key to win your next round of trivia. Welcome to Bewilderbeasts. I'm your host, Melissa McHugh McGrath, still recording outside of Boston, and today on Bewilderbeasts, we are going to talk about a pigeon who saved 194 people in World War I, and goats who were fighting wildfires in a very unusual way. Let's go. Hi, everyone. I'm still recording in my tiny closet outside of Boston, Massachusetts. I made a horrible mistake in not brushing my teeth before doing this and having two cups of coffee. So let's see how that smell starts to affect how things go in this closet today. We are going to talk about an amazing pigeon. You are never going to look at pigeons eating crumbs on a sidewalk the same ever again. But first... There are some special firefighting animals, and they might not be the first animals that you thought of. Goats. Yep. Goats. Well, first we have to look at the fires that have been without question, getting worse every year since the early 2000s, mostly due to human impact on the environment. But there are lots of people who are trying to help prevent wildfires in the first place by cutting and clearing brush, dried grass, and wood scraps, everything. If we can control that, we can control how fast and how far these fires can spread. So how do these firefighting goats help? Well, if you've ever seen a goat, you know they eat everything. Seriously, everything. And they can get where machines cannot easily get. They can climb into nooks and crannies that humans and machines can't get to. They can easily climb up on hillsides that if we were working with a weed whacker, we might fall down and get really hurt. So by sending in the firefighting goats to eat the grass, the bushes, the plants, and dying foliage, that's less fuel for these fires to consume, meaning communities might only have to deal with potentially a small fire instead of a massive fire that burns out of control, like what's happening now to the entire west coast of the United States. Control the fuel, control the fire, and these goats are happy to eat whatever is in front of them. It's a win-win-win. There is another way that goats help humans. Do you like tea? Well, there's a myth that goats will eat anything, and it's wildly circulated. But it turns out goats are actually just curious, and yes, they will put most anything in their mouths to see if it's edible, but they are actually quite picky. So in some parts of China, goats are charged with maintaining the crops. Goats don't love the leaves that are used for tea as it's considered to be too bitter, but they do love the leaves of the weeds that grow alongside the tea. Extra bonus? 
That goat poop fertilizes the plants used for tea, ensuring that it's healthy in the fields and can make it to your cup. Mmm, delicious. Now, when you think of a world's smartest animal, did you think of a pigeon? Well, maybe after today, you won't think of these animals as rats with wings, a common phrase overheard in urban environments like mine. Cher Ami, which means dear friend in French, was a homing pigeon who saved 194 men, all while losing her leg and eye in being shot in the chest. How did this pigeon do it? World War I was a little over 100 years ago. There was a group of 550 men trapped on the side of a hill behind enemy lines with no food, no ammunition. They were also receiving friendly fire, which isn't. Friendly fire is what happens when your team is shooting at you because they think you are the enemy. They don't know you're there. How did these men end up thinking that they were the enemy? Well, the supporting military who were coming to help them thought Major Charles Willisley and his men were on the other side of the hill. So they went to the wrong place. And when they saw military who wasn't expected to be there, they just assumed, wrongfully, that Whittlesley men were the enemy. Major Whittlesley started sending messages to Allied forces, men on their side, who were shooting at them in addition to the enemy soldiers, the Central Powers, who were also shooting at them. The only way he could get messages out, as there were no cell phones, he just had to use the tools that he had. And he had three birds. The first homing pigeon sent up was carrying a message in a little pouch tied to his leg. Many wounded. We can't evacuate. And that bird was shot down. By the enemy or by their friends, it doesn't matter. Though if you're being shot at by anyone, the person that is shooting at you is an enemy in that moment. A second bird was sent with a note. Men are suffering. Can support be sent? And that pigeon was also shot down dead. This is where Shar Ami, their last hope, was sent up with a message in a canister attached to her left leg. We're along the road parallel to 276.4. Our own artillery is dropping a barrage directly on us. For heaven's sake, please stop it. Shar Ami was shot by Germans after rising from the bush. But was able to continue flying 25 miles in just 25 minutes. That is 60 miles an hour. Cher Ami saved 194 of the 550 men while being shot through the chest, blinded in one eye, and shattering her leg. That leg was amputated and a small wooden replacement leg was custom made for her. She became a hero of the 77th Infantry Division. Pigeons have been used in pigeon post, delivering the mail, and also in wartime like Cherami, and they were called war pigeons. Homing pigeons are commonly called racing pigeons, and they have gone over a thousand miles to home. And there's so much more to learn about these pigeons. If you're curious, check out the links in the description to learn about other cool things pigeons can and have done in history. So what happened to Cherami? Well, they didn't know that Cherami was a female pigeon until they went to have her taxidermied or stuffed for presentation after her death at one years old, which is quite young for a pigeon. 
in the wild, they can live at least three to four years on average. But if a pigeon is living with people and well cared for, it is not uncommon for them to live up to 20 years. You can see her today at the Smithsonian Museum in Washington, D.C., or when we're allowed to go back into the world. Just when you thought 2020 couldn't get worse, we now have a stink bug infestation problem. Due to a milder winter last year and an intensely hot summer, stink bugs were able to have not one, but two generations of stinky insect babies this year. And while you don't normally see them through the summer, when we start getting our autumn on with cozy sweaters, leggings, tall boots, pumpkin spice, everything, stink bugs also want to snuggle up in your house. And while it might be tempting to just squish them, you will soon regret it. That's when the stink bug name becomes very evident. They release odor when threatened or squished. So remember Dr. Key from last week's episode, be kind to animals. Yes, even stink bugs, especially stink bugs, I would argue. And if you must get rid of these insect lepus, you can trap them and send them back outside. So thanks for joining me today on Bewilder Beasts. If there are topics you would be interested in hearing about on the podcast, know of any historical animals who changed the news, animals who help humans, or anything at all, send them in to bewilderbeastspod at gmail.com. Tweet at bewilderedpod, bewilderbeastpod on Facebook, and bewilderbeasts on Instagram. I'm Melissa McHugh McGrath with Mudstuff Media. Now go get curious. I got today's information from smithsonianmag.com, npr.org, science at howstuffworks.com, Wikipedia on Cher Ami, Atlas Obscura, and Mental Floss. Links, as always, are in the description of today's episodes if you want to investigate more. Intro music is Tiptoe Out the Back by Dan Lebowitz, and interstitial music is by MK2. Don't forget to like, subscribe, review, and share with your curious friends. It really does help if you rate and review. Thank you so much for listening. You've been listening to a podcast of the Podfix Network. Discover more audible gems like this at podfixnetwork.com. Make sure to catch up-to-the-minute network shenanigans by following at Podfix on Twitter, official underscore Podfix on Instagram, at Podfix Network on Facebook. And make sure to subscribe to Podfix Presents wherever you choose to find podcasts. The Podfix Network, artist owned and loved.